Hi, I'm Jamie Winker. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Engineering changes are the focus of the 2014 silly season and Nissan brings in the internationals. But it was much better to drive than I expect. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. While Adrian Burgess's shock dismissal last week is still wearing off many... Forward Performance Racing has announced that Campbell Littleby will be working in the Dick Johnson Racing Workshop during the week while he'll continue to engineer Alex Davison's car on the weekends. The placement continues to strengthen the ties between FPR and DJR as the factory Ford team continues to wait for news of Ford's commitments to the V8 Supercar Series. Dick Johnson Racing was buoyed by the announcement that they've secured Wilson security right through to the end of the season now. Nissan has held an international test day for sports car drivers Michael Crom and Lucas Ordinez. Jeff Fisher, the head of Nissan Motorsport Globally, said that the test was significant to the development of the worldwide Nissan program. Because it opens up the world of V8 supercars and our team in particular to the world of Nismo and the global motorsport phenomenon that's gripping Nissan at the moment around the world. Very exciting. Michael Crom, the Super GT champion, drove Rick Kelly's Nissan at the Winton test and he spoke about his experience. Because it opens up the world of V8 supercars and our team in particular to the world of Nismo and the global motorsport phenomenon that's gripping Nissan at the moment around the world. Very exciting. Ordinez was happy with his performance in the Norton 360 car of James Moffat. Really enjoying, no, uh, no, no traction control, no electronic uh, help, so it's, it's, it's very challenging for a driver, for a new driver in this, in this car, uh, but yeah, uh, getting on the pace, uh, really enjoying the, the weather now because this morning was raining, but uh, yeah, uh, having a nice day. Uh, Obviously, it's very tricky on brakes, so I, I had a few offs, but uh, I think that's normal, no? When you push and, and you want to find the limit of the car, is is the day to do, no? On the test days, and uh, yeah, getting well, learning with the engineers, learning with the drivers, and uh, having fun, which is important. Tim Slade has been confirmed to partner Richard Moore in the three New Zealand Super Touring Enduros later this year. Slade tested ahead of the first race at the end of September across the ditch this week. Jamie Winkup and Mark Dutton have made the trip down south this week to test the Lucas Dumbrell Motorsports number 80 of Scott Pye. The team is looking to try and find some improvement in performance following a tough few rounds for the 888 aligned team. 
And finally, Tim Blanchard talked about what it's like being part of Dick Johnson Racing. With all the news ahead of Queensland, how's Blanchard found it fitting in? When you join Dick Johnson Racing, it used to it pretty quick. You know, the support base they've got is just massive. So every every week, every round, it's just flat out from the, the moment you, you land on the, off the plane. So just another week with Dick Johnson Racing, really. What about getting ready for the long long distance races how's that prep going with the test days getting co-drivers up to speed and yeah. the rest of it um, yeah it's going alright we haven't really started driver changes yet but both Ash and Dale have uh, have drive the car I'm pretty comfortable in it I'm pretty happy with it and uh, they're both doing a fantastic job in the Dunlop series so we're pretty excited we've got two pretty good co-drivers and uh, really looking forward to the longer distance races what about for yourself going up to the mountain being the lead driver and all the pressures that that brings yeah it cha- changes uh, your, your approach quite a bit you know last few years kind of just going up with Reynolds and Todd and you kind of just circulate stay out of trouble don't get too close to the walls and now I've got to qualify the car and start the race and all that sort of stuff so I've got to put my head down and try and work out how to extract a bit more out of it is the race now for a guy in the lead so much more important? Have we come back to a lunchtime driver and the other guy just has to balls out the rest, or is it a full sprint, you think? Oh, it's, still, it's still a full sprint, and I think, you know, co-driver's role is just to kind of hand, hand the car back, but the quality of the co-drivers, the depth of the co-drivers these days um, is so strong that if you, you just roll around and, you know... You half do it, then you're going to lose a lot of spots, so it's still a flat-out sprint. On this week's roundtable, William Dale and Tony Whitlock will look at the engineering changes in V8 supercars. But that's the news on the V8 Insiders, brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us from RaceFax, it's Tony Whitlock. Good evening, Tony. And from speedtv.com.au, it's William Dale. Good evening, William. Good evening, Cracky. Well, certainly it is always interesting when engineering changes are rung. And, Tony, I know you particularly are fascinated by the engineering of motorsport in general, not just V8 supercars. But uh, hasn't the events of the last week or so been fascinating. Campbell Little going to move into the workshops of DJR, although he's paid by FPR. And of course, Adrian Burgess is currently tending to the garden and listening to the V8 Insiders, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, just yet another one from V8 who are uh, heading out to get a green thumb. Yeah, it's interesting and also interesting to reflect on on potentially where it started, uh, this whole Burgess HRT thing, you know, it was um, in Austin at a, at a nightclub on a Sunday night. Gee, a lot of things happened that Sunday night, Tony. That same Sunday night when Mr Scaife met Mr McDonald's fist up close. 
it um, it is interesting that uh, he has been very successful, William, with Dick Johnson, now with Triple Eight, and you'd think that uh, things would be quite good. You're up there on the Gold Coast. Who'd move down to Melbourne when you've got it all going? Championship winning and two drivers that are at the top of their game. Well, I guess the thing is, I mean, Adrian comes from an F1 background. He enjoy, he quite clearly enjoys a bit of a challenge. He certainly got that at Dick Johnson Racing. He certainly got that again at Triple Eight. Walked into an operation that was already, already real. You thought at the top of its game, and he still managed to take it to another level. Now he's heading to another new challenge, heading to HRT, who have been you know, quietly assembling a nice little um, war chest of some very very talented operators. I mean, they've got Tony Doe in there now. They've also got, depending on who you listen to, they may, they may have acquired Matthew Nilsson. They've just re-signed James Courtney. I mean, if, if, someone, if Ryan Walkinshaw came to you and said, you know, are you starting to get a bit bored with what you're doing now? How about this new challenge? Adrian Burgess seems like the kind of guy who would say, yeah, yeah, why not? It was It was fascinating, as I mentioned on the show last week, we spoke to Adrian Burgess, Tony, on Tuesday, and then, of course, the announcement was made on Wednesday that he was leaving the team. And I, I think Adrian is the type of guy that said, no, no, I'll serve out the year, just like he did at Dick Johnson Racing. He said, I'm serving out my time with you. And, of course, he brought a championship there. So I don't think Adrian's the type of man that would have bundied off uh, just because he was moving teams. He, he doesn't have that sort of ethic. Yeah, but I think the intellectual property he's got on board now and where he's going is going to make a far bigger difference than when he was at DJR going to Triple Eight. Look, one of the interesting things, and, and as you may, or yeah, I suppose you do know, where I spend my time at race meetings, it was fascinating to watch that 2010 Homebush weekend when three cars went into the fence. The top three points runners, the top three in the race, and, um, and I observe firsthand, as I have for most of the time Adrian's been there, that he is somebody who is in the trenches beside his troops. I saw the three cars go into their garage, or not go into their garage, well, yeah, stick their noses into that home bush tent, and one of them only come out that was good enough to run around and, and get the points necessary for Courtney to get his uh, championship. And it, it was a vast difference between those three garages, and it was... Just part of the reason why uh, Adrian, who already would have been signed by Roland at that stage, and he had a very short uh, time from DJ's in uh, December to joining Triple Eight in uh, January back in 2011. But yeah, look, the guy is clearly somebody who is um, very close to his troops, which is a, a very different management style to what um, Hallam and Dow bring, because they're both much older guys who've been around longer, but... Burgess is, is a hands-on guy. He is, William, and that's probably been one of the reasons why he has been so successful. He knows every piece of the puzzle from every angle. Absolutely, and I think that's probably the sort of thing that HRT needs right now. They seem to, they seem to have been looking for someone to lead them in a particular direction. I mean, as, as I touched on before, they've hired all these people. They, they've been slowly assembling the, the pieces that they need to try and be successful again. All they needed was a good, strong leader, and, well, they've certainly got that in Adrian Burgess now. 
Tony Teco going over there. He's, uh, you know, it's a, it's quite a big shift to go from the factory forward team to the factory Holden team, and considering he came from there, it's it's an interesting return. Yeah, look, I mean, I happen to believe um, a rumour that went around earlier this year that last year um, Gary Dumbrell, father of Lucas and Paul, um, was offered uh, Walkinshaws by Ryan uh, Walkinshaw offered to buy both the uh, road car and race teams that were Holden's lead uh, lead couple. And um, after considering it, Gary decided against it. Now, I think that what's happened is that Ryan's decided that, OK, I can't sell them, so therefore we've got to man up and make it work. Um, so, uh, and that's what he's done. And, it, it, you know, in no surprise that Courtney should say is part of his uh, conditions and Gal would have... Uh, reinforce this to Ryan if you want James again and look I reckon James one of the important parts of James Courtney is that he is so politically correct he is the Paul Radisich of V8 Supercars he is the best driver in terms of communicating not only with journalists who are the least important really in terms of uh, what Holden need but for their dealers and their customers the fleet customers James knows how to connect with those guys and Holden would know it and they want it and want to keep him um, in the other corner, they've got uh, Garth, and of course Russell's going out the back door any minute. So, um, you know, getting James back there again, probably on less money, and then part of that would go to Adrian. But they're bringing the age, the average age, down. Uh, interestingly, that um, Walkinshaw's last year, both uh, uh, Joe uh, Spano, who is now at uh, Dalberto's, and Eric Pender, who is now at uh, Kelly's or Nissan. Um, were both let go, and they'd both been long-term Walkinshaw people, long, long-term, 10-year people at least. And so now suddenly you found that um, they needed to go out and get more engineering after they'd let stuff let men go last year. So it's a it's a real sort of change in in attitude at Walkinshaws in a 12-month span. Mm. And William, we have seen Walkinshaws turning their performances around at the beginning of the year. Russell Ingall was their highest performing driver. Over the last few months, we've seen Courtney and Tander getting closer and closer to the top step. There just seems to be something about this new car of the future. I mean, we all knew it was going to sort of level a playing field. And to be fair, over the last couple of years, Walkinshaw had sort of lost their way when it came to car development. And all of a sudden, we were seeing HRT Commodores at the wrong end of the timesheets more often than not. And, of course, with the new car of the future, that that all basically was reset. It's, it's As they've shown throughout the year, they have been there or thereabouts. At times, they've been one of the... They've had some of the fastest cars out there. I think having Adrian Burgess on board now will give them the sort of consistency that they used to have, that we can, weekend in, weekend out, they will actually be a genuine threat instead of... Instead of we turn up on Saturday morning and, and look at the qualifying results and think, oh, look at that, they look quick this weekend. <laughs> yes, it's going to be interesting to see how they finish off the year because they've now been really putting their steps together and really looking like they're a more uh, whole team rather than just a couple of drivers trying to carry their respective cars around the circuit. We need to take a break on the V8 Insiders. There's plenty more when we return. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing 
V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best riders and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu GRM team and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me, Tony Whitlock and William Dale. I'm Craig Ravel. And guys, uh, we've talked a lot about Walkinshaw performance, but what about Campbell Little, Tony? He's going to be working out of the Dick Johnson Racing Workshops. He's employed by FPR and he'll still be engineering Alex Davison's car on race weekends. But how important is that, one, for Dick Johnson Racing and how much better will it be for FPR to be able to have someone there looking at a car tinkering with a car and sending that information back down there to the uh, FPR factory? Well, it's really just another part of the FPR jigsaw. Already, uh, Chas Mostert, who is an FPR employee, um, is there, and Adam DeBore, who uh, had joined them uh, last year, he uh, equally is uh, an employee of FPR, is engineering Chas's car, and so now Campbell, who resides in Queensland and had not refused, but decided that he didn't want to um, move um, to Melbourne for an FPR job. And, yeah, it, it means that they uh, retain him for far more of a useful period to be there on the cars themselves. So, yeah, I think it's a, a real plus-plus for both DJ and FPR. Yeah, it's also interesting that uh, he has been sort of a little bit outside of the loop hasn't he and and with the engineering changes at the beginning of this year it sort of looked like that Campbell was being uh, put on the outer taken off the the two main cars in the four car team yes um look i think there's a lot more sort of projects now that that happen where you know different things to look at i mean one of the things with the new car is i mean yeah there are, there are not a lot of elements that changed you know yes it's a different chassis and the engines further back and the fuel back tanks further forward and all those sort of components and collateral steering wheels but you know the thing that dictates the car that being the spool diff is still there and that still is the major thing that that you know overall dominates the setup of the car and the, the, the biggest thing with these cars is, and you see it from race weekend to race weekend, where teams will drop out of the top ten or even the top five. I mean, fortunately for Triple Eight, a bad weekend for them is, you know, back end of the ten or just outside the ten. You know, so, you know, when, when Jamie and Craig have bad weekends, they're not as bad as most people's. But the reason is quite simple. The setup window for these new cars is tiny. You know, in... In public toilets, they have that little tiny window right up high, you know, you, no human being could climb through. You might be able to squeeze a little child through it. That's the size of the setup window. Mm. And that's, it's shrunk from the, the old cars to these new ones. And with that setup window being so small, you only need to make a couple of changes and suddenly you're outside the window. And what the hell happened? And that's why you see teams from one weekend can be strong to the next weekend they're gone. And William, that's that's a critical thing. The better your engineering stocks are these days, the quicker you are to find that little window that Tony was talking about. Absolutely. And even though Campbell won't be working with them on race weekends, effectively that's, as we said, it's strengthening the relationship between FPR and DJR to the point where you ultimately have six different streams of information coming in from any race from any race weekend. When everyone sits around the table 
on Monday morning or Tuesday morning to have a chat about what worked and what didn't, all of a sudden you have an extra amount of information coming in to help you make your decisions further down the track and figure out, oh, did this work? Did this work? No, it didn't. Okay, we won't do that again. So it can't, it makes an awful lot of sense. And I mean, with the amount of with the amount of sheer amount of experience that Campbell Little has in V8 supercars, I mean, in Australian motorsport in general, I, mean, I was trying to work out during the week how far back it back he goes. He he was back with um, the Gardner operation, if I remember correctly, in the Sierra days. I mean, that sort of information has got to be, that sort of experience and wisdom has got to be extremely helpful when you consider the youth that is currently piloting those two DJR cars as well. Mm. And, and Tony, I guess a couple of other interesting notes is that Ford Australia still hasn't committed to V8 supercars and this is a way of showing Ford that, hey, you've got six cars, but if you want to have six competitive cars in light of the fact that you're not going to be manufacturing here and you're going to want a platform potentially to talk about your other cars... You're going to need to, uh, you know, we, we can show you, we can support you. Although there, there is a school of thought out there that FPR has already resigned to the fact that they're not going to be going forward with uh, Ford in the future and, and really they're just preparing themselves for their next move. Yeah, I don't think. I think the audition tape's still running and then I think that they've still got a chance to, uh, to get them back on board. I, I believe that... Um, that Ford realised the importance of the brand and the importance of the brand and, and youth and, and all the things that racing brings to it. So I, I, I think that there's certainly still a strong chance that Ford will remain one of the key brands in the, in the category. Um, yeah, it's going to be very different next year when, of course, Volvo sign up as the fifth brand. And, uh, and no matter how much uh, Mercedes Australia might not uh, like having uh, Erebus there, um, it is that brand that you know has the uh, the, the Mercedes badge on the bonnet. Um, but yeah, no, I think that um, FBR has certainly got a good chance. I mean, you know, certainly it was a great showing um, at QR with their cars and the speed, and Chaz was able to get up there, and they, they've shown all year that you know they're there and thereabouts. Well, moving on from the engineering, of course, we've seen cars being tested this week. And actually, it's not moving on from the engineering, but interesting that uh, on Tuesday, William, you had uh, Jamie Winkup and his engineer, Matt, uh, his engineer, both there working with Lucas Dumbrell up at Queensland Raceway, trying to help that team sort itself out. Of course, there's a lot of talk that potentially that will become a satellite team inside Triple Eight next year, maybe with the... Sorry? It's Triple Eight South. Triple Eight South, you think? Okay. Triple Eight, the Collingwood Collingwood faction. Yes, well... I think think that would be an extraordinarily good move for Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport if that was the sort of thing to happen because we were talking about this in the speed office as well. I mean, you look at the results that those two cars had towards the start of the year. I mean, they all came out of the gate with basically six triple eight cars on the grid. Not a lot of development or test time, and they were all they were all inside the top fifteen. And as the year's gone on, two of them stayed there. Another two of them have been in and out, and the other two have progressively dropped towards the back of the grid. So it is good to see that Lucas has put the call out to um to to the builders of the cars to um, please help. 
Because mm. uh, I, I said Queensland Raceway, of course, that test was down there at Winton. And uh, interestingly, at Winton this week, Tony, oh, I'll get your thoughts on that one too, getting Wing Cup and Dutton down well, there. You were confused for a second then where Triple Eight's test track was. Well, I was confusing Triple Eight's test track with actually where Lucas Dumbrell's test track well, is. I mean, you know, it's mm. amazing uh, that, that they should be um, able to go there. I mean, it does stink. It does stink that here we are going to this racetrack and Triple Eight, through their connections and the things, are able to bring their driver and engineer down and bang, put it in the same car as they've got at home. Um, a, a good time ago, you know, this whole issue was, was up for grabs. Um, you know, 88 was lent from uh, because uh, Jamie wasn't using it this year and put on a Fiori's car. 80 was used because Scott Pye used that last year in the development series. So, oh, we want Scott to have the same number because that would help him when he's coming in pit lane, wouldn't it? You know, enormously. But, yeah, I mean, this whole thing, they should have been grouped. I mean, it's uh, obviously LDM, Lucas Umbrellas are, are a development team. They're, they're not a powerhouse at all. They were smart enough and Lucas was... was uh, alert enough to, to jump on board and get out of Walkinshaws um, and to get to Triple Eight because he was able to get more resources than he could when he was just a customer of uh, the Clayton office. But um, I, I think there's something very wrong in the way this is being done and the, the fact that that's been allowed. Mm. But is it much difference than Mostert and uh, DeBoer going up to DJR? Well, the difference was that you didn't have Mark and Will and, and engineers all going up there for the test. Do you reckon you'll see that in the near future? Um, well, maybe, but, um, you know, that, that didn't happen beforehand. Mm. All right. You did have Mark Winterbottom hopping that car for a, in the um, number 12 car for quite a few laps, for, for 10 laps at Morgan Park earlier this year, though, so there is somewhat of a precedent. Well, yeah, but Morgan Park's not a track we race on. It was just a track to make sure the car was, you know, was still going around okay. And, that, you know, so, you know, there is a difference. Mm. There is a difference, but in some ways it's another driver from another team driving a car and getting data. So I guess that's, that's where the similar, similarity is, albeit that it's not a track you race on. Mm. All right. Uh, the other thing is Nissan. Well, they've been having a couple of international drivers do the rounds this week in the car, and I, I love the story. A PlayStation champion goes on and becomes a full-time motor racing driver, William. That's the, that's the stuff that a lot of youngsters these days would uh, just love to see themselves doing, going, transferring from, uh, what was the, uh, I can't even think of the name of the game, Turismo, Gran Turismo. Yeah, Gran Turismo, transferring to the great racetracks around the world. Let me tell you, not just youngsters, this 27-year-old youngster would have loved that sort of opportunity, but alas, I wasn't good enough. Um, it's it's fantastic to see that, like, he really is living the life, isn't he? I mean, he he... he Hops around the world, hops in all this different Nissan machinery, got a tryout in the V8 supercars, professes that he would absolutely love to come back and have have a belt around Bathurst in a V8 supercar. Will we see him at the 12-hour in February in the GTR? Possibly. But the other, the other cool thing about this whole Nissan Global Driver Exchange program is the possibility that we might be seeing a few Aussie guys having a run at, in Nissan machinery at, say, Le Mans or Super GT. 
it's, it's interesting. It sort of harks back to Nissen's, to Nissen's philosophy back in the day when you saw guys like Glenn Seaton, Mark Scaife get runs overseas. It's nice to see that that sort of thing's happening again. Tony, you'd well remember the times when Australian drivers were just, you know, part of the entire world motorsports scene in particularly GTs and sports cars as well as touring cars. And I guess uh, one of the most famous is a New Zealander that you mentioned earlier, Paul Radisic. Yeah, yeah. And look, yes, it is a, um, a global empire at Nissan and there are many other global empires that um, drivers could and should be able to dial into. I mean, Brighty had his run with Aston a few years back and various things like that. And, and it's terrific because there aren't many opportunities for these guys to uh, to get into different machinery here, whether it's their calendar or whether just the straight thing of uh, enough time. I mean, there have been too many uh, moments in the past when V8 drivers were blocked by V8 supercars um, from going and driving in 12-hour uh, races or GT races here because, oh, no, we don't want to do that sort of thing. And, you know, it's yeah, just totally wrong, you know, because, you know, they clearly, they earn their living driving and they should be able to do go and do whatever they, they can. Mm. Well, one of the hottest properties on the V8 supercar driver market is Tim Slade, and, of course, he's going over to do the Super Tourers Enduros later this year, Tony. Yeah, yeah, and, look, that's a, that's a great little series. They're terrific cars. Um, it's, it's, it's unfortunate they can't really afford proper endurance races. You know, they're all done to a timeline because of the fuel tanks. And um, But, you know, at least the, uh, they do swap drivers, and, and that's worthwhile doing, that uh, get more miles. But their cars are terrific little cars because, you know, they went with a crate engine. They got rid of one of the high-cost items out of their cars. They're well-specified. And obviously, Seppi, in the same way he did with, the, you know, the Arc Turret, car of now, that's a con that is, um, they're a, a very strong chassis that are you know, simple to build and they have the same things in New Zealand. Mm. And amazingly, William, Chippy has come out with an even cheaper car for the South African V8 series. So I, I reckon there's a few owners that are scratching their heads going, why are we paying so much money to uh, get the, uh, now, the now generation or this generation of car onto the track? And, cons- and considering all the issues and dramas that have come up since getting it onto the track and the modifications and little little niceties that could have been engineered into the cars with, a, I was going to say, with a bit more foresight, but a few a few people in the paddock kind of knew about all these things beforehand. Mm. Guys, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you both. And, Tony, uh, we're looking forward to a big weekend down in Winton in a couple of weeks' time. Indeed, yeah, bring your wellies though because we'll be on the uh, edge of late winter of course mm. And uh, William, pleasure to catch up with you as well Hopefully we'll see you down there at Winton if you uh, can get a leave pass from the uh, the speedtv.com studios That'd be sensational if, if I make it to Winton, you'll, you'll be able to spot me I'll be the guy wearing about 20 layers of clothing Yes, uh, it's a big difference from far north Queensland, isn't it? <laughs> Just a bit The Just wife... The White Flag Lap is up next here on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. 
V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best riders and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, brought to you by Munro Shock Absorbers, Dr. Carl Lee explained what the medical delegate of V8 Supercar's role is. So my, my role is um, to supplement the, the medical services that exist at every one of our races. So every one of our races is a medical service that looks after the track activities. Uh, this usually comprises of at least two doctors, um, one civil emergency ambulance and a lot of what are called medical intervention vehicles. Each of these will be staffed with doctors, paramedics or nursing staff. And in each circuit there's also a track medical centre, which is a high-level facility capable of stabilising any injured patients. So on top of that, I guess I, my role was started in 2008, uh, basically to come in with a primary role to... Uh, standardise the services to make sure that the levels of um, medical services at somewhere like Queensland Raceway would match somewhere else such as Abu Dhabi. So it's, it's been a difficult road. A lot of the difficulties are related to funding, um, but there are other uh, strategies that we can put in place to try and um, make sure that everyone's at the right level there. Uh, the other part of my role, I guess, is education. Um, uh, passing on the information about how to work in the motorsport environment and how the best way is to get drivers out of out of their race cars, essentially, uh, which is which is probably one of the highlights of my role is to be able to do that. You know, when we go to events such as um, Hidden Valley, where they really only have the one major event a year, um, it's really great passing on that knowledge to each of the, uh, the personnel there. <clears throat> With the introduction of the car of the future, that's been really good as well, um, showing all the advances in the safety features of the race cars there. Uh, but I guess the primary reason for my existence is to sit at pit exit in the medical car and be sent out if there's a major incident out on the racetrack there. Thankfully, that's been relatively quiet for uh, quite a few years now, and we haven't had a serious incident for quite a while. I think that's a testament to the, the nature of the safety of our V8 supercars um, and also the design of the circuits themselves. Um, obviously, there are circuits such as Bathurst that are, are, are riskier and are more fraught with uh, risk, but uh, uh, thankfully, again, uh, as I said, over the last few years, we haven't had anything too major. Um, yeah, people like it when I'm when I'm bored. Um, they don't like want me to be busy on the on the track side of things. However, uh, the majority of my work now is um, on the paddock side, so helping drivers stay healthy um, and, and helping with their fitness. Uh, most of the teams actually have their own fitness advisors, whether they be a physiotherapist, a doctor, or even chiropractors. Um, personal trainers and such, um, but, um, but they also use me, as, I guess, as a consultant on, on when, when they have questions such as managing heat stress um, and or recovering from an illness such as recovering from a, an infection or so. And that's all we have time for on this week's show as the Checker Flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.